Hey there, and welcome to What's the Story? We're an inquisitive bunch of hosts on a mission to uncover stories about faith and courage from everyday people. In doing that, we get the privilege of chatting with amazing guests and have the opportunity to delve into their faith journey, the hurdles they've overcome, and the life lessons they've learned along the way. If you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for our weekly newsletter at our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. It's your direct line to the latest episodes and detailed show notes delivered straight to your inbox. What's the Story is brought to you by Crowd Church, who fully understand that stepping into a traditional church might not be everyone's cup of joe. Crowd Church provides a digital sanctuary, a safe space to explore the Christian faith where you can engage in meaningful conversations rather than just simply spectating. So whether you're new to the Christian faith or in search of a new church family, visit crowd.church. And if you have any questions, just drop them an email to hello at crowd.church. They would love to connect with you. And now, let's meet your host and our special guest for today. Welcome to What's the Story with me, Matt Edmondson. I am chatting today with the incredible Jan Birch. We've been friends for a while, right? Yeah. We've been, yeah. We, we have been friends for a while. In fact, you've been on Crowd now. You've hosted yeah, I have. twice. Twice, yeah. Twice. So we thought it's probably long enough, really. <laughs> Get you on the What's the Story podcast, yeah. dig in a little bit. Yeah. So Jan, uh, for those of you who don't know, Jan lives in Liverpool. Be you not a scouser? Yeah, I am. Are you? Yeah. Sort of Welsh scouser. <laughs> I was born here. Really? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. I no, thought no. you were born outside of Liverpool for some no, reason. No. So you like? Have you like got a proper scouse passport? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's Liverpool on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Let's So Jan is actually from Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You don't sound scouse though. The family were Welsh. Are Welsh. So that I grew up. With that influence, I think, on yeah. my voice. The Welsh influence. Yeah. To be fair, none of your kids sound scouts either. No. They've grown up in Liverpool. Because maybe, I don't know, Tim's from down south, I don't know. It's posh, isn't he, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. How did posh your parents feel about you marrying a posh boy? Uh, Yeah. No, no, no sort of, you know. Didn't give him any grief? No. Okay. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> 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 so, um, so yeah, so you're married to Tim. You've got three mm-hmm. kids. Your mm-hmm. kids are sim- very similar ages to mine. In fact, yeah. our kids went to the same school. Yeah. Uh, we've kind of been going to the same church for a long time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've got some, got some crossover, mm. uh, as we like to say. Yeah. And so uh, let's dig into it, shall we? So how did you... How did you? How did your Christian journey start? So, were your parents Christians, or did you? Um, I wouldn't say they were um, fully fledged. They were they were believers. Yeah, they were churchgoers. So, they grew up in North Wales. Um, Dad was from near Bangor. Mum from near Carnarvon. Um, so they, you know, had church sort of yeah. twice a a Sunday on a Sunday. Yeah, maybe more. Um, so. When they moved to Liverpool, um, my brother and I went to a Welsh church. Mm. So I've got a sort of church background, I'd say, from right. from being born. Yeah. But it was later on that we would probably call ourselves Christians. You yeah, know? yeah. Probably understood yeah. what it was about. So you grew up in the Welsh church yeah. in Liverpool? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't I, I, maybe there are, I don't know of many Welsh yeah, churches in Liverpool. There used to be about a good three or four. There was Waterloo yeah. in Crosby. Um, there was Heathfield Road in mm. Wavertree. Um, I went to Stanley Road in Bootle. Mm. And I'm sure there was another one somewhere. Mm. But they were the, those three were the main ones. So, so were they, when you say a Welsh church, what does that mean? Does that mean that they spoke in Welsh in yeah, the service? Yeah, the service was all in Welsh. The hymns were all in Welsh. Oh, wow. The preaching was all in Welsh. So wow. we used to, as children, um, we used to have to learn a verse from the Bible mm. and recite it every mm. Sunday. So I grew up learning scripture in Welsh, but wow. didn't fully understand what it meant. Yeah. 
you know, I'd ask yeah. the odd word and but um yeah, Welsh was my first language. Um wow. so Until when? Probably till I went to primary school. Wow. Um but my mum to this day still speaks to me in Welsh. Right. Yeah. And do you speak back in Welsh? I don't. Have you lost the I, I understand everything she says to me. Yeah. But I think um I was quite shy as a little girl. Mm, I don't as believe that for a minute. I was. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so she said with a very stern face. Any sort of, if she spoke Welsh or my dad, when they were picking me up from school or, you know, I'd go, speak English, speak English, just because it drew attention. But all my friends loved it. Yeah. You know, now I'd, if I had my time again, I'd yeah. you know, totally be fine with it. But yeah. it's as you grow up, I was a bit yeah. embarrassed. Yeah. Um, my brother was a bit more bold than me. He was com more confident. Yeah. So he would, you know, when we went to grandparents, yeah, they would all speak Welsh to us and my aunties and uncles. Wow. Um, but I would, you know, I'd say, you know, some things in Welsh, but... But not everything. I was a bit embarrassed, yeah, which I regret. Big regret. So did you... Do you did you speak Welsh with your kids? I've... I mean, my mum has taught them and I've, you know, say, well, they know the odd word, what, what things are. Um, but they couldn't but have a conversation I, in Welsh? No. Right. But Keris and Jamie particularly um, are really interested in the language. And mm. they've, well, Jamie has on Duolingo done some Welsh. Okay. So he, he's really proud mm. of his Welsh heritage. Um, it's more it's It's more important to him, I would say, than... Um, the other two. Mm. That's really um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. So you went to a Welsh-speaking school, uh, a church. Yeah. In Liverpool. Yeah. And um, so what happened then? You, 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 How did you sort of come to a place where you thought, yeah, this is for me. Um, I need to make my, I need to stand on my own two feet. That seems to be the common theme, doesn't it? You, you sort of get to an age, mm. if you grow up in a Christian home, where you go, I've got to make this decision for myself. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't really come to that until I was seventeen. Oh wow! So um, we carried on going to the Wells Church until I was probably about sixteen. Mm. So my brother will have been at sixteen, twenty. Oh wow! So he probably he was at uni then, and um, but we we still had links. Probably I was probably a bit older, sixteen. Yeah, sixteen and a half, seventeen. And my brother was at um, university mm. in Bangor, North Wales. And um, in his second year, he took towards the end of his second year, he came home and said, um, I've become a Christian. And we were like, oh, wow. what? Mm. what? What do you mean? So he um, went on to explain that not only is Jesus real, you know, still he's alive today, but you can... You can have a conversation with them. You yeah, can, yeah. can have a relationship mm. with them. Mm. And that just blew my mind. Um, and although I wasn't, you know, particularly looking for God, mm. I had, I thought I had a faith. Yeah. And I did. I did believe in God. Um, and my parents did. Mm. Um, it wasn't personal. Mm. It was, you know, I wouldn't be able to really, I knew the, Bible stories from when I was a child and um but I didn't know Jesus mm. and my brother you know radically changed his life mm. um so he came and said to me I'm going to this church in Magol on Sunday do you want to come with me and I was like okay because mm. I loved my brother yeah I trusted him and he he was just so excited he was on fire yeah you know yeah and um the first sunday i went with him i was probably nearly 17 um and it was just i'd never heard i mean welsh church the singing's pretty good yeah you know? yeah um as you would imagine yeah it was it was always really lovely but this was totally different mm. and i understood what i was singing yeah. You know, I understood all of it. Yeah. And it was just, you know, in retrospect, 
it was the Holy Spirit, really, mm. just in the praise and worship. Mm. And I just knew there and then it was, you know, this was what I wanted. Mm. It was, it just touched me quite deep. Yeah. Um, couldn't really say what, what, but it was the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's really interesting. And I think this is, um, it's a common story in a lot of ways in the sense that people who would have professed to have been Christian in some respect, yeah. whether they grew up going to church. Certainly, you know, if you're in your, maybe your fifties now, your sixties, yeah. you maybe went to church a bit more than they do now. You know, yeah. we had assemblies at school and you, you went to Sunday yeah. school and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Um, so maybe they went to church and would have, would say in their heads, oh yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in the existence yeah. of God. Therefore, I am a Christian. But actually, what you what you're talking about there, Jen, is something different, isn't it? Mm. It's there's, you sort of you've, you've taken that and gone a, a step further, maybe not a whole step further, yeah. maybe you know, like a whole yeah. block further. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. More than a step in some respects. Yeah. So, what do you what happened to you to make you realize actually there's more to it than this? So, what was it your brother was saying? What were some of the things that you were kind of going? That's not my experience with Christianity so far. Well, his sort of prayer, he was, his testimony really is um, he met a, a girl, he wasn't going out with her, but she was a friend who took him along to different, mm. you know, when speakers came to the uni and different things. Yeah. And it, he just had really great conversations with her. But he was, he was really happy, he had a girlfriend he'd been with for a few years he was really sporty. Um, he was in the football teams. Mm. You know, he, he he had a good university life. Mm. Um, and he, you know, they would play all different Welsh universities and different things. And he said he remembers um, having had maybe several months of conversations with this friend, um, being on uh, coming home from Cardiff or somewhere. Mm on a coach, drunk out of his head. It, they'd all been drinking wow. after the game. Yeah. Uh, and he said, I think he was in the aisle of the, the coach on the mm. floor. <laughs> and he just remembers saying, God, if you're real, mm. then you need to show me who you are. Mm. And uh, if you're real, I'll give you my life. Mm. And to hear words like that from my brother, my brother was a real great guy, you know, before yeah. we we were very close. He was always someone I could talk to, and and I respected him. Mm. He wasn't silly. He was a sensible sort of intelligent guy. And when he told that, and he said, "I someone got me to my room. I don't remember." He said, "But I just remember waking up the next day, expecting this horrendous, you know, hangover." He said, and I remember looking in the mirror and I was just radiant. Wow. And he said, and then I remembered the prayer. Yeah. And he said, and I, I knew God had, had answered my prayer. I knew he was real. I looked completely different. And some a friend came to knock on his door and they were like, what, what's happened to you? Mm. And it from there, you know, he just went on. Right. And... So him telling me those things about God knowing mm. him, about um, being baptized, yeah. the Holy Spirit, mm. this was all new stuff. I knew of it, yeah, but it hadn't impacted my life. In right. Mm. You'd read the stories, but it had not That's really. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? That I think one of the things that we pray for our kids more than anything is that they would not only have a head knowledge about God, but that they would actually experience right. God for themselves, mm -hmm. right? And having that assurance that actually it's not just this weird thing, but actually I I have experienced yeah. God. I have I have known God and God has known me. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's one of those things because mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. No. And so I've no idea what it's like for my kids who have. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? I yeah, can't, yeah. I can't, Look at them and go, well, when I was their age, I kind of struggled with this because yeah. my mum and dad were like this. Yeah. Um, I had very different uh, upbringing. And so as they're growing up, I'm kind of thinking, well, it's great for them yeah. because it's, a, it's safe, it's loving, it's kind, it's yeah. nurturing. It's all the things that you would want it to be. It's fun. You know, there's obviously the strong element of faith that undergirds mm -hmm. what we do as parents, but yeah, having never grown up as a 
a Christian. I, I just don't know, you know. And so you you do go, God, I just, my prayer is that they they experience you like I've experienced you. Do you know what I mean? That they would know you like I've known you. It moves them from something that you do out of mm. duty. It moves yeah. from your head. It moves into yeah. your a heart. And it's something which is alive and it captures you, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah, that's always been my prayer for the I, kids. I think I was, um, I would consider myself to have been a, a good person. Mm. My parents certainly were. They were kind. Yeah. They were, you know, they were good neighbors. Um, and they, you know, I was taught not to lie, not to steal, you mm. know. Uh, just general principles. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't have to be a churchgoer to have those, yeah. you know, yeah. um, sort of ethics, morals. Um, so I, I grew up in a very moral home. Mm. Um, so sex sex before marriage was a big no-no. Yeah. Um, but other things were, were very grey. Yeah. You know. Yeah. My dad, you know, would occasionally swear, my mum very occasionally, not, you know, quite yeah. mild. But I, you know, if I'd have been caught swearing, it would have, you know, I would have been told off. Yeah. yeah. I suppose, you know, most kids yeah. would be. But um, there were there were certain things that, you know, I, I wouldn't do in case mum mm. and dad found out. Or, mm. I mean, I did do some of them, but, you know. Mm. As we all <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah, of course. I was yeah. just a normal teenager. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I would say that um, prior to my brother coming home and, um, you know, telling me what had happened, mm. I sort of unconsciously was looking for something. Mm. Um, I thought it was the right boyfriend. I thought it was some sort of validation in who I was and mm. what I looked like, um, how appealing I was yeah. to the opposite sex, mm -hmm. those were the things that, although I, you know, had lots of great friends, um, I went out, I went to parties and my life was, was good. Mm. I was studying, I was doing my A-levels. Yeah. There was, I would come home from going out at the weekend and just be like so upset. And my mum and I would sit in the kitchen, she'd wait up for me and she'd make me a cup of tea. <laughs> And um, we just talk. Mm. And it was usually, you know, I wasn't prepared to go so far with guys and they would go with girls who, who were, would. Yeah. would. And that, that really hurt me. It was in me that I wouldn't do those things. Yeah. Um, and I just think, thank God, I, I was saved. I became a Christian yeah. at the right time because that was starting to get a bit... Mm, Problematic. Well, I liked someone mm. for a couple of years mm. while I was doing my A-levels. Mm. And he was having a big party and mm. lived in a nice big house. And and I, I kind of made a decision that if it kind of went that way, mm. I wouldn't run away. Mm. Um, but fortunately, he lived in um, a nice bit of Liverpool in Formby. <laughs> and um, he was having this party. And I, I was totally, you know, in love with this guy. I didn't know him really. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, and um, he'd invited me to the party and I was so excited to go because in my mind it was like, you know, we're going to, mm. um, as of tonight, I'm going to start going out with him or something. Yeah. And um, my mum knew about him and different things. Anyway, I'm being a plumbing spanner in the works, but I now know that. It was probably God. Mm. A massive, thick, thick fog fell upon <laughs> Liverpool that, that one night. And particularly Formby, yeah, sort of lowlands yeah, around yeah. there. Um, it was just like a, a pea super, as they say. And um, my mum was meant to take me. She said, I'm not driving in that. Yeah. You literally couldn't see your hand. Yeah, And I was like... Please, you've got to save me. <laughs> my life will yeah. be over. It was like, this isn't going to affect my yeah, whole yeah. life. And she said, Jana, I'm really sorry. I'm not taking you in there. Wow. So I was like, I'll get a taxi. Yeah. And taxis weren't running as frequently. So I had to phone and say, I'm really sorry. I can't come. And he was like, 
okay. Yeah, he wasn't really bothered, I think. But I was devastated. Mm. But I think I think God um, intervened there. Yeah, yeah. In retrospect. So did that happen before you became a Christian? Um. Oh, yeah. I think it was just before. Yeah. Okay. It was. Yeah, and so yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The the pressure on young people back then, when you and I were teenagers, was yeah. really quite strong. Yeah. I mean, it's insane now. You know, to to go and do things that just aren't great for you and the access yeah. to things on the internet now and the expectations and social media and the stuff that people see and you're just like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it causes you to fall on your knees and pray for your kids a lot, I think. <laughs> you just like, God yeah, spare them. Absolutely. Um, so uh, growing up in that environment then, and obviously you, you became a Christian, um, how has that impacted your parenting? Because obviously you grew up in a Christian environment. Whereas I didn't, I'm kind of curious, how has that impacted what, how you do parenting? Well, it was, you know, it was obviously I married a Christian. Um, so having children, you know, from, from where I go, they were part of mm. the church that we go to. And, um, you know, they went to certain toddler groups mm. that were church related and then choosing schools. And yeah. we, we didn't send our elders to... The Christian schools straight away. Um, we weren't sure, you know, because we knew we wanted to have three. Yeah. Um, whether we could afford that yeah. at the time. Sorry, um, for those listening yeah. and you don't know what the Christian school is, the Christian school is a school here in Liverpool. Mm. Um, and it is a private school. You pay for your kids to go there. Mm. A minimum, it has to be said, it's, it's a minimal fee. It's not what you would equate no. with a typical private school. And so that's what you're talking about, isn't it? If you send them yeah. to the Christian school, it, it, there is a financial cost which yeah, you need to be aware of. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we we actually sent our first to a normal school. It was a church school, mm. and it, it in his he was there for two years, but he was quite a sensitive little one, mm. not crying a lot or anything, mm. but just he wasn't tough at that mm. point. He wasn't boisterous. Mm. He was quite gentle. He was quite kind. We made a decision after several months of, mm. you know, what do we do here? Going in, speaking to teachers and we we prayed and felt God say, have a look at yeah. the school. Yeah. We both went and that was a, you know, yeah. loved it. Yeah. So for the next two, we, mm. we just sent them straight there. Yeah. Yeah. And they've, they sort of, they've grown up in the, the Christian. So part of your, then part of your parenting then was obviously you, you put them in the Christian school, yeah, which was obviously very intentional. And actually, Tim works there. Tim, your he husband, does. is a teacher he now at that school. He didn't have the time, but he, he now does. You know? Yeah. And one of, the th one of the stories I love about Tim is from uh, one of the kids called Jeremy Prince, um, oh, yeah. who started to keep a written record of Tim's most popular <laughs> saying. <laughs> so Tim would come out with these classic one-liners yeah, and still does. And uh, still does. Yeah, yeah, which just <laughs> have me crying. And so they, they've created a book. Yeah. Of, of We've still got it, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> We've kept it. <laughs> yeah, and why not? Why not? Yeah, absolutely. So you've, you, you, you grew up in a Christian home, so your kids have grown up in a Christian home. So one of the things you did is you sent them to, a, uh, obviously, the Christian school. But I'm kind of curious, Jan, what are some of the things from your own upbringing that you, that you thought, I need to be aware of that for my own kids? Or was there not anything? Oh, I'm sure there's hundreds of things. I think being a good neighbor, I think being a good friend, yeah. that was important for me, for me as a mum to instill that into my children. Yeah. And Tim's very kind man underneath all the bravado in school he actually <laughs> he'll help anyone i just think it was doing things together as a family and mm. i had a very close family mm. it wasn't perfect no, you know there's no mm. such thing as that but there were there were lots of things i wanted to emulate you know mm. um and there were you know as with everyone a lot of things i didn't want mm. to um but less so yeah so, yeah, I just wanted my kids to be secure. Mm. I wanted them to know they were loved. There was no pressure mm. to do or be anything. It's just loving them and enjoying them, you yeah, know. Yeah. I wanted, my dad was great fun. Mm. My dad died when he was in his early 50s. Sadly, he was fun mm. um, when we were growing up. 
Mm. And, you know, I think I've tried to do that. And yeah. Tim, Tim does. You know. And you've got great yeah. kids, to be fair. I think yeah. Sam, yeah, your no, eldest, no. is one of the most politest people that I've ever met on the planet. Yeah. And Karis, your daughter, is just, she still cracks me up. Yes. You won't know this, but, well, I mean, you'll know this, Jen, but people listening to the show won't know this. When, when, when Karis would come around our house when she was younger and just sit and chat to Zoe, there was no filter. No. She had no concept of maybe I should say this or maybe I shouldn't. And the stuff we found out about you and Tim was hysterical. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, I won't share it on the podcast. But Sharon and I would just sit there and we'd just go, no, tell us more. We'd totally encourage her. I bet you did. Yeah. Yeah, I would have done as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, keep going. Yeah. Keep going, oh, Karis. Keep going. There she goes. Tell you the story. She doesn't do that so much these days. No, she's got a bit few more filters. Fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, Grace. So, um... You obviously, you grew up in a Christian home. You've met Tim, you fell in love, you started having kids. What's been your career path? After doing my A-levels, I didn't particularly feel I wanted to go to uni. Mm. Um, wasn't anything that I really strongly mm. wanted to do. So like my brother had done, I applied to YWAM, yeah. which is Youth with a Mission. Um, and that was based in Derby, sort of Nottinghamshire oh, okay. area. It was a year team, not not yeah. just a DTS. Mm. So I applied for that. I went on what, what's called a selection weekend to this manor house in um, Derbyshire, which was beautiful. And I didn't get selected. Right. And I was gutted. Yeah. I met really great people on that mm. weekend. We had loads of fun. And I just thought, I'd love to do this. Mm. And they phoned me and said, I'm really sorry. You know, there was so many people showed mm. an interest and we can only take blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. And I, I just remember thinking I was just gutted and um, thought, well, what, what am I going to do? I just felt really disappointed. And um, something like a, a few days later, four or five days later, I got a phone call on a Thursday night from the YWAM team saying... Um, We've we've had a rethink. Mm. Um, we would like to offer you a place. Are you still interested? <clears throat> or there's another team starting in um, in Ireland somewhere. Yeah. If it was Dublin or Belfast, and um, or you can come here. Mm. And I was like, yeah, no. I wanted to sort of say, no, not interested. No. <laughs> but no, I what said, is play cool? Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't fully understand what what that was about. I did the year and loved it. Mm. It was a great, you know, I was fairly young Christian at the time, yeah. young in my faith. And so that, that solidified a lot of stuff for me. Great. Mm. Yeah, the YWAM stuff's really, it's really interesting when you look at people coming out of YWAM. And I don't know if you've got any experience with this, Jen, but there are a number of different people types I see coming out of YWAM. Certainly when I was younger, when I was sort of a teenager in my early 20s and I knew yeah. a lot of people. Uh, coming out of YWAM. So there was the, the people went into YWAM. The, the one group that came out, um, they had what they affectionately called the mission blues. So oh, yeah, yeah. in YWAM, it is a bit of a bubble. Yeah. And some amazing things happen on yeah. YWAM. You see some great stuff. And you think, this is great. Mm. When I leave YWAM, you know, I'm going to go work in, well, for mm. you, it was midwifery, wasn't it? It's mm. time to go work as a midwife and I'm see God do all this amazing stuff. Mm. And of course, the reality of the workplace and the what happens on the mission field aren't, aren't always the same thing. And so people struggle with that. Mm. Um, and yeah. so I've, I've seen a lot of people come back from YWAM and not know how to adjust themselves um, mm. to, to, and it's caused complications yeah. for them, I think. And I, I don't think it's to do with faith. I don't think it's a lack of faith or, mm. you know, not God not wanting to do something. I just think it's a different, mm. a different scenario, a different environment maybe. Yeah. And then obviously there's people that go on to the DTS mm. and it just solidifies their faith and they come back and they are just, you know, it's just a yeah. great time just to separate themselves yeah. from their career, from yeah. life, just focus on God for a little bit, get mm. established in their theology. Um, and then sort of attack. I didn't do YWAM, I did Bible school and it was the same yeah. thing for me. I, this yeah, was yeah. a brilliant time because yeah. it was so formational for me in terms mm. of my faith and my theology um, so uh, what type of person yeah. were you coming out of YWAM? I, I was definitely more confident in my faith in that 
um, sharing about mm. being a Christian. It just birthed in me a, a desire to travel. It was kind of there in seedling form mm. beforehand, but I went to Kenya mm. um, for eight weeks mm. um, during my YWAM year. And that just then, you know. Mesmerizing. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I just got the bug. Yeah. Um, and then while I was... Um, I think after, just after YWAM, or maybe it was while I was there, God clearly spoke to me about going into nursing because I, I was thinking, uh, you know, something that I can use when I'm yeah, traveling yeah. Yeah. to travel. I applied to do nursing and I got in the following year. I worked in an office for um, two years in Liverpool, mm. which I hated. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it, I made some great friends. It's like everything I've done, I've done, I've been fairly happy yeah. because I've just, I love people. Mm. So nothing's been really awful. Yeah. I mean, latterly it has been, but then I just loved life. I, mm. you know, loved meeting new people. Mm. I loved traveling. I loved going on holiday. I mm. loved just, you know, mm. I, I loved my life. I think that's true for a lot of people, yeah. actually, on the whole, you know, life's okay. Life's yeah. life's pretty good. I think there are some, it's interesting when uh, we were starting Crowd Church and I was talking to Rich Rising about it, who's a really good friend of mine, because originally I thought about calling the church Hopeway, right? So, um, you know, what what are you going to name the church? It, was, it took us weeks to come up with a name, like, mm. what are we going to call it? So do we call it Hopeway Church? And Rich was really interesting because he said to me, he said, you know what, there are people that need hope. Mm-hmm. But if you do a church that reaches out just to people that need hope, it's quite a broken church that you've got oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. And, and, and actually, he was quite right. He said, Matt, I think on you, and, and this was for me, this is not yeah. true for everybody, but for, for me, there's more of a calling to reach out to people who actually think life is okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of people who wouldn't have a Christian faith, who would not purport to be a Christian who are fairly successful, yeah. life's, life's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're healthy, they're married, marriage is probably okay, they've got some kids, kids are okay. It's not a case of the church is for people that are just wrecked lives. Yeah. Um, no, no. But it's, no. there is this truth that actually says, even if you're successful, you're still quite broken. You just yeah. don't really realize it yeah. yet, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think actually when we come face to face with the gospel, we recognize mm-hmm. actually, yeah, we still need the yeah. saviour right so i think it's true for many of us that actually we mm-hmm. we go through life and on the whole life is okay yeah um and so you were like that i'm interested you you said until later latterly yeah so what's been going on there i don't know whether it's just growing up a bit fast forward you know 20 odd years mm. i've still still got my basic mm-hmm. thing i've got my team my my family my mum, I've got still got my brother. I've been a midwife over 25 years, mm. something like that. Um, I did nursing just for two years. Mm. I loved nursing. I just, um, when I qualified, there were no jobs at the mm. time in the areas I mm. wanted in Liverpool. So I went to Derby. Mm. So I was there for four years. And it was during that time that I decided to do midwifery. Mm. So loved my training. Um I was sing- I was still single, and I was living with a friend in Derby, um, part of a church, which was great. My brother was was still living there at that point, so I had nieces and nephews yeah. to see. So um, loads of friends, great social life, mm-hmm. um, all you know around around church activities at the time. But it, we were all the same age. We were all single. So it was just a great laugh. Mm. Um, so that that was all good. And then, you know, now I'd say, yeah, I'm basically a, a happy woman. I'm very grateful for mm. what I've got. But my job, my sort of working in the NHS, as I have done, it's, has taken its toll, you know. Mm. Sorry, just for those listening outside of the UK, if you don't know, the NHS is our health service. National health service. Um, so, yeah, it's the system run by the government to deliver health care to the population yeah. here. I would say the first, you know, 15 years weren't, weren't too bad, you mm. know, plodded on. Things never used to bother me too much. I yeah. could yeah. deal with it at work and mm. leave it, go home. 
But I would say increasingly, as I've got older, I'm finding that harder to to lay it down. Mm. Um, so it was starting to filter into my everyday life. Right. Um, my mental health really yeah. then took a toll, you know, right. took its toll on, yeah. on that. Yeah. So when you say it took a toll on your mental health, because obviously one of the things that we talk about on what I say, obviously, maybe not be obvious if it's the first time, if it's the first time with us, warm welcome to you. Um, I, we like to ask a number of questions like how you became a Christian, but what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced? And I know when we did, you know, sort of the, the conversation before the call, for you, this was the biggest mm -hmm. challenge, right, that you faced. Uh, in life with sort of the help of God in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so what was the toll it took upon your mental health? I think I just had Jamie, my youngest. So we're talking um, nearly 15 years ago. It's a long time. It seems a long time ago. Mm. But that's when, you know, I was a mum to three. Tim was teaching. Um, I was tired mm. most of the time. Yeah. Um, and I was doing quite a lot of night shifts, so I right. could be there in the day. Yeah. Um, although my mum was a great help, I wouldn't yeah. have got through any of it without her. So she looked after the children. Yeah. And then obviously school and different things. But I just think I felt very torn. I wanted just to be with the yeah. family. Yeah. There were situations we gradually, the staffing levels in the areas that I was working was was getting mm. worse mm. over the years. Um, so you'd go on, on shift. I'd get quite anxious before I got there because mm. you just don't know what's going to hit you. You may start the shift, you'd get a handover of certain patients or if I was on a delivery suite, whatever, mm. you'd be given a patient. And then maybe an hour in, two hours in, you'd be moved somewhere else that was low staffed. Mm. And mainly if you were on a ward or you'd be moved to the delivery suite or, and that, that is unsettling mm. in itself because you've met your patients, you, you've planned what you're going to do, mm. you know, hour by hour. And then suddenly you've, you've got to leave it and hand very ver quick verbal hand yeah. over to yeah. someone. You go to this other area for, maybe the rest of the shift yeah. or for a few hours, you come back and something else has happened mm. with those patients you left. Yeah. So that went on pretty much week by week by week mm. for years and years. Mm. I remember going on shift one. It's always a Thursday night for me that things would go wrong. <laughs> and um, it was a Thursday night. Mm. I remember being on nights. So I was anxious having, you know, the kids were in bed, mm. but hated leaving them, went to work and it was just like chaos. It was like someone had dropped a bomb in the middle of the, Right. it was just like people everywhere. Yeah. Every single room was full. Um, there were women there that should have been transferred to delivery suite um, because they, they were developing problems mm. in the the labor wasn't um, progressing. Um, there were women there who had um, medical conditions that mm. shouldn't have been there. But labor ward was what we call bed blocked. Mm. There was, you know, every room was full. There were no midwives to look after anyone else. Um, so we had to care. I was on the midwifery led unit. We had to manage women that were really not well. Yeah. And labors that were not going well. Yeah. Um, for as long as we could. Yeah. So um basically it ended one particular night that particular night. Whereas I was looking at I had four women and you should only have had one or two. Right. And they were all, I would say three of them had problems. Wow. So one was was severely epileptic. She shouldn't mm. have been there. Mm. Um, delivery suite still couldn't take her. Um, so I was worried about her. There was another woman who wasn't progressing and that was problematic. And then I had at three o'clock in the morning, I remember the shift leader saying to me, you're going to have to take another patient. And I remember saying, I can't, I mm. just can't. I've got blah, 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 mm. blah. She went, you, you've, you'll have to. Everyone else's 
you know, dealing with this and this mm. and that. Yours are at least quite stable for now. You're going to have to take this patient. I just remember thinking, oh, God, help me. And um, to cut a long story short, it was her third baby. I went in, literally introduced myself and said, um, you know, I have got some other patients. I want to give you the best care. I will be in and out. Mm. I'm sorry I can't stay with you right now. Yeah. But if you need anything or if you feel that your labor's progressing, mm -hmm. she was fine at the moment. She was having some contractions, but she wasn't like inactive. You know, it wasn't imminent that she was going to yeah. deliver. So um, it was just a lot of pressure. It was a real pressured night and everyone was in the same boat. I remember going into her, talking to her, blah, 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 saying, you know, giving her gas and air and then going to see the other women. You've got to write everything you do. Mm. You've got to document. So I was making sure my documentation was up to date. Um, finding out, is, is there a bed on delivery suite? Yeah, for any of them. Mm. No, no. It was just absolute nightmare. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I was with my other patient. The emergency buzzer went in this yeah. room. And me and a healthcare assistant both ran at the same time, walked in. And there was just blood everywhere. Oh, no. And she was like in shock. And the husband, the partner was was just shaking in the corner. And what had happened is she'd gone to the loo um, and then the baby had just come while she was um, in the bathroom. So we got her, managed to get her to the bed. Um, baby had fallen, she'd caught the baby. It was very traumatic for the woman. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I was feeling guilty for not being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not being able to stay with the woman. Mm. Um, managed to get her into bed, call cleaned up, and did her rob. She was okay. And then I had to get a, a pediatrician mm. to check the baby. The, mm. the baby hadn't, I hadn't seen the baby be born. Yeah. So she'd said the baby had fallen and she'd just caught, but I didn't know, what you know, yeah. exactly what had happened. The cord had snapped and that's right. what the blood was. Right. The baby needed a, a head x-ray. Thankfully, everything came back okay. Yeah. But that woman was very traumatized. Yeah. Um, I think it was the blood more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awful. And then two other things within... I remember going home that after that shift and just said to Tim, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I'm done. Mm. I can't do it. He was like, you know, of course you can you just need to sleep, you're tired. Uh, I remember going into the next shift and something not as catastrophic, but, you know, similar up mm. there. Three things in a very short space wow. of time happened and one baby died. Wow. Um, because the doctors, the obstetricians were in theatre. They weren't able to get to this mm. woman. So I was told just to keep her comfortable mm. for as long as possible. We have we had her on the trace mm. tracing, and um, that wasn't normal. That wasn't right. So junior doctors were coming in and reviewing and saying, you know, I can't help you. Mm. Just just give her more pain relief. You know, um, so that was highly stressful. And um, I remember finally I looked after this woman from something like seven o'clock half seven and it was now one o'clock in the morning and we were just going into theater with her mm. i remember the consultant one of the consultants we were scrubbing up ready because um it was, it, she was going to set cesarean section and it was a crash section so she was you know, having a, a general anesthetic and i remember washing my hands next to him and he said we're going to have a cerebral palsy here. And I just remember just feeling sick. The baby was delivered and didn't breathe until mm. the baby doctors were working on beautiful full full term baby girl. They worked on her and they managed to induce her heartbeat mm. with adrenaline and drugs. Mm. 
And then she was transferred with tubes everywhere to special care next door. Um, and the mum was, was still asleep. She, you know, had a general. And I was told to do my notes and then go into recovery yeah. and get her to the ward, blah, blah, blah. So where I was with her when she woke up and she was the loveliest woman. And she just said, have I had my baby? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you've had it. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, help me. I was, what did I have? Because they didn't know. Yeah. I said, oh, you've had a little girl. Mm. And she was like, where is she? And I said, oh, she's had to go to special care. She wasn't very... Very well, she was when she was born. And she started crying, and mm. I was reassuring her. And she was like, "Where's my, my partner?" And he was with the baby. So when she was stable enough, we transferred her to special care, where she was told, "Your baby's not going to survive. There's mm. she's, oh. you know, ill." And for the first time ever, I cried mm. in front of a, a patient. Mm. I just. There were no words. Yeah. It's her first baby. Beautiful baby girl. And I just sobbed yeah. with her. Yeah. And um, I didn't get home till about half 10, 11 the next morning because I wanted to be. They they held her mm. uh, until she died. Mm. And I wanted to be there with them. That was the third. That was the yeah. worst, really. I just remember being quite numb. Yeah. And I I was an experienced midwife. I'd been been a midwife for a good fifteen years by then. Yeah. For the first yeah. time, I'd never had depression mm. or I'd been ang I was an anxious person, but mm. I hid it. That was the the start of me mm. sort of going a bit mm. downhill. That was two thousand eleven. Wow. So I I actually went to see the head of midwifery one day. I just made a. I didn't know what I wanted to say to her. Yeah. I just knew I had to go and see, see her. Yeah. And I just said, you got to do something here. Yeah. What I went through that night and mm. then that night and then mm. that night, no one should go through that. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't angry. Mm. I wasn't shouting. I wasn't crying. I was just flat. Yeah. And I said to her, I feel like I'm on my knees. Yeah. And I can't get up. And she just said, you're not well. And I was like, I'm just concerned. Yeah. And she said, you need to go home right now. And I want you to go and see your GP. And you need time off. I was like, no, no, I, I just need yeah, to yeah. sort this out with yeah, you. And she yeah. went, please, I, I hear what you're saying. Mm. But you're not in a, in any state wow. to, to be here. Mm. I just remember driving home and Tim, I think, was at work and the kids were at school and just remember thinking, oh, what do you mean? I'm not well. Mm. I'm just a bit stressed. And who wouldn't be after those mm. incidents? I'm I'm okay. And I went to see the GP, as she said, and the GP was like, oh, I think, you, I think you've got a bit of depression. I was like, what are, what, what are they seeing that I'm not? Yeah. I was off for eight months. Wow. I was recommended to, to go for some counselling. Mm. And I did. I noticed that during the sessions, it was with a, a woman who was a Christian. She would start talking about work. And I, I would just find myself putting yeah. my hands like that. Yeah. And she, she said, are you aware that every time I talk about work, you wow. do this? Yeah. I, I was like, Oof. and um, I was like, how will I know when I'm ready to go back? And she said, you, you you, will just know, but it's not now. So, um, yeah, so that was a, a really difficult time. Yeah, no kidding. So you were off for eight months then, obviously, which was... <laughs> so they were seeing something that you weren't seeing, um, mm. and you, you took the time off. I'm curious in all of that, Jan, how did your... Because it's a story that, sadly, we hear a lot with people who work in the NHS. And without getting political or having any kind of agenda, I, I totally understand it mm -hmm. because it, it is, I mean, the stuff that you guys deal with is, mm -hmm. is horrendous in a lot of ways on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. you, and I can see why you would say you felt numb. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Because it's a coping mechanism, isn't it, to deal with those kind of things. Where was God in all of this for you? I'm the type of person that will always beat myself up more than anyone else can. Yeah. Um, So I, you know, went through every scenario and blamed myself. Mm. You know, why didn't I insist on a doctor coming earlier? Why didn't I physically go into theatre and pull the consultant out? Yeah. Why didn't I shout more yeah but that that isn't who i am and mm. it wasn't wouldn't have been right to do some of those things what what did you just ask me <laughs> the mind's just gone blank where again. was god in all of this yeah. he was he was just very gentle mm. he didn't ask anything of me mm. it was just you need to sleep mm. you need to rest i think he taught me just about letting it go mm. um and it it was a feeling of I don't fully understand what was all that, what was, what caused all of that Mm. um, and my reaction to it. Um, But I just know I've got to be gentle with myself. Mm. I would say that in in it all, I didn't ever lose hope. Mm. I didn't lose faith at all. Mm. You know, we know that these things can happen. Yeah. But I would say God was quite close, but I, I think... I became quite silent. Mm. It was all in my head and I would mull it over and over and over. Sometimes I couldn't even t- talk to Tim yeah. about how I was really feeling. Yeah. It was too deep. There's that book, God on Mute. Yeah. I oh, was like Jan over. on Mute. <laughs> yeah. I, I just went quiet and I think it took me many, many years mm to come out of that. Mm. I can um, talk the talk when I need to. Mm. It can be quite outgoing. But there's something in that experience. I don't know if it damaged me or it it changed me. Mm. And I would still be able to be the same mum with the kids and probably Tim saw the real me. But I, I think as nurses, as midwives, as teachers, we're, we're great actors. Mm. So you know how to put put the front on. Yeah. And I think I probably became very good at doing that. Right. So people would always say, Jan's dead chilled. Mm. She's laid back. But underneath, I was really hurting mm. and a bit confused. Um, and were you aware, were you aware when you were quiet that actually underneath the mask you were hurting? You knew you were putting a mask on. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. people do masks... Um, to the public, but they're, they're actually deceiving themselves more than no, anything. I, I didn't know, yeah. Right. Yeah. Therapy is, is great, but it, was, it wasn't comfortable for me. Right. I didn't in, enjoy, because of my job, I'm usually the one asking the question, mm. and are you okay? Mm. You know, it wasn't easy for me to yeah. go into therapy. Yeah. Or, I don't think I was very good. It wasn't easy for her to yeah. have me. So if you could, I mean, you've obviously, you've come through it. Um, there's some scarring by yeah. the sounds of things, um, as, as there inevitably is with these things. If you could go back to a certain point in time and have a conversation with Silent Jan or, mm. you know, when this was all starting to kick off, what would you have said to yourself? It's not your fault. Mm. This is a, f- a much bigger issue than... Than you, than you yeah. think it is. Yeah. It knocked the com- my confidence. Yeah. For, for a long, long time. I don't think it's ever been the same. Mm. I've doubted myself, you know, many times. But I just think, actually, when you, you know, when you look at it from an aerial point of view, it was it was destined to happen, it, yeah. you know. And it, it sadly, it's going on Still. all over the country yeah. every day. Yeah, those things, and with A and E, doctors are on are on their knees, nurses are on their knees. I'll protect the NHS. I love it. Mm. You know, I don't regret what yeah. my career. I don't. I've, I've met the most amazing people. Yeah, I've laughed so hard. Yeah, I've cried so hard. Mm. Uh, it's been fab. You know, it's been mm. right for me to to do what I've done. Um. But it, it's getting harder out there. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy. No. No. I mean, 
amazing, the NHS, absolutely amazing. Yeah. You're still in the NHS. You're now a community midwife. Yeah. So you get to hang out in your car a little bit and listen to music. Is that right? And that's great because I listen to podcasts like this. <laughs> this is the, what's the story yeah. you were telling me about the Rob Brown one earlier? Yeah. In all of this, Jan, because one, I'm aware of time. Two, I'm aware that people listening to your story will be going, I am going through something similar um, because so many people do. What's the, the one thing that God's taught you in all of this? What's your one message? I think I've learned it's okay to be really low. Mm. It's actually really good to ask for help. But it's like this old smiling, old dancing, old, you know, perfect Christian life. It's a load of nonsense. It's like, you know, you've got to be real, Mm. be honest. And God is still God, you Mm. know, nothing changes in that respect. He has never left me. Mm. I've been silent to Mm. him, but he has always being there yeah and i know i know that yeah the the verse that that has always been really important to me is and the night is nearly over Mm. and the day is is almost here yeah and that i would say i've never lost hope right um even in the nhs Mm. even in the worst days now Mm. and there have been quite a few Mm. the last few years of of different of a different time kind but where I've just thought, I'm out of here. Yeah. But where do I go? What What do I do? You know? Yeah, yeah. But God's, God's God and he's yeah. good. Yeah. That's super powerful. And there's a story that, I mean, this, it's listening to you talk about the, the sense of call on your life. You know, this is where God wants you to be. But in that calling comes the darkest of days. Mm. And that, oh, I think that confuses people sometimes. It's like, God, you have called me to this. Well, why is it so hard? And I think sometimes we have to go, God has called me to this because it is so hard. Absolutely. And he, he needs someone who's a light in this area. Mm. I think it's really powerful, your story, Jan, and, and thank you for being a midwife. You actually, mm. well, you were a midwife to Sharon, weren't you? Yeah. Um, My wife. With Zach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no, what was it, Josh? I don't know. Been, yeah, one of the boys. Yeah, mm. you're definitely involved somewhere. <laughs> I remember coming down and going, oh, hello. Um, I remember not delivering food, you know, because we we bring food when yeah. you have a baby. Yeah. And I was on the rotor. I remember Sharon phoning me or you phoning me one on the yeah. night when it was me saying, oh, thanks for that food. That was so yummy. We're so... <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went, <laughs> and I went and got a takeaway for you. Yeah, I remember. My thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember it was something remember, very sarcastic. Yeah, well, you know, it's just how we communicate, <laughs> isn't it? But I, I, I remember the takeaway because, and, and God love it, you know, and, and the way it works in church and our in the church, yeah. you know, where we were, when you had a baby for like a week or two, people yeah. from your community bought your meals, and it was this amazing yeah. blessing. But what tended to happen was, um, certainly by the time you'd had three kids, the meals were all kind of spaghetti bolognese or chili because mincemeat was <laughs> cheap onions. and also yeah. they're easy to prepare, right? And also, you know, everybody likes spaghetti bolognese. Yeah, I yeah, don't. It, it, well, you, okay, that's maybe something you should pray through. Um, <laughs> and so when you oh. came around with the takeaway, we were like, thank you, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I more forget. <laughs> It's just really funny. And I think we learned from that, actually, because we were like, this is really interesting. So when we do meals for other people, um, when they had babies, we were all like, let's do the takeaways. Let's do some chicken thing. Let's just do something yeah, that's a bit, you know, nice. yeah, a bit, bit more uh, mixed up. Yeah. But um, thank you to everyone that did bring us a meal. Yeah, way. absolutely. Not to complain in any way. No. It was all wonderful. Um, Jan, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. Sharing your story. Oh, no, it's been great. Really, really enjoyed it. And you can find... More about Jan on. Well, you're going to be on Crowd again, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Can't get away. Hope so. Yeah. 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 And if you want to, if you want to get a hold of Jan, if you've got any questions for, her, reach hold of Jan through the What's the Story website, and I'm sure I'm just filling the contact form. Jan will get it. It's not a problem. Or contact her via the WhatsApp, mm-hmm. um, and we'll make sure you get it. So, you're a legend. Love the bones off Thank you, lady. You you're much. awesome. Thank you. And just like that, we've reached the end of another fascinating conversation. Crowd Church is a digital church, a community, a space to explore the Christian faith, and a place where you can contribute and grow. 
To find out more, check out www.crowd.church. And don't forget to subscribe to What's the Story on your favorite podcast app. We've got a whole lot of inspiring stories coming your way, and we really don't want you to miss any of them. What's the Story is the production of Crowd Church. Our fantastic team is made up of Anna Kettle, Matt Edmondson, Tanya Hutzelak, and myself, Sada Fainan. We work behind the scenes to bring these stories to life. Our theme song is the creative work of Josh Edmondson. If you're interested in the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com, and sign up for our weekly newsletters to get all this goodness delivered straight to your inbox. So that's all from us this week. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye for now.